Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by mentalmastery.com.au, the show dedicated to fun mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Roscoe here, your co-host, joined alongside tonight with uh, the Mental Master himself here, Jamie Glazier up there in the Gold Coast. We've caught him before he heads off on another absolutely wonderful sounding adventure, which he might tell us a little bit more about, but he's off again. But um, we've got a great guest tonight and it's a guest that we've both known for quite a long time. It's one of your clients, but also one of I guess my clients as well, because uh, in a golf retail sense, you know, I was selling young Keely Marks, who's about to join us in a second. I was selling her and her parents uh, golf equipment for her journey in golf a long time ago. And about the same time, Jamie, you started working with Keely, a prodigious young talent at about the same time. But uh, Jamie, we'll go to you first before we bring Keely in. How are you, mate? You well? Very well. Thanks, Roscoe. Yeah, um, been uh, been well up here, heading off tomorrow morning back over to the US for a month. Poor me has to uh, attend the US Masters next week, which is uh, eight or nine years, I think, since I was there the last time and the only time. So I'm really looking forward to getting back there. Um, Herbie's been playing some great golf and uh, had a couple of great wins at the match play last week. So really excited to see sort of where his game is at out at Augusta next week. So uh, so very excited. Almost as excited as tonight's guest, Roscoe. Well, before we get to tonight's guest, um, check your inbox because there's an order for some Masters merch uh, inbound. Um, and yeah, please, just nothing big, just just something small. That'll, that'll do me, all right? <laughs> I'll do my best. Yes, thanks very much. Uh, as we mentioned, our special guest tonight joining us, Keely Marks. Keely, out there in the uh, suburban Melbourne, had a big day on the golf course. We might touch on uh, it's a very important competition week for Keely. Um, Keely, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very well. It's great to see you. Uh, I've seen a little bit of you in the recent months. You know, you're, you've been playing some wonderful tournaments and had some great experience and some great results, which uh, Jamie might talk to you about. But it's been great to, for me to see you outside of that environment that I'm more familiar with seeing you in. You know, that's a golf shop buying or getting some golf balls and golf shoes and, you know, wedges and that sort of thing. Where did I see you? We saw you at the Players Series at Rosebud. We saw you down at uh, 13th Beach where you had a wonderful um, four days of golf down there. We do know each other and we have known each other for a long time and it's been wonderful to see your journey unfold from this, you know, you've just turned 18, is that correct? Ah, yes, back in January. So probably when you were around 13, that when you go back to when you first started playing golf, you know, what, what did golf mean to you when you were a young golfer? Because there's probably some parents of, you know, probably future golfers, much similar to yourself, um, listening that might want some information about how do they get their kids into golf? How do they, you know, nurture talent and, 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 and grow talent? What was golf like for you when you first started? Honestly, when I first started, golf was just like the way to hang out with my older brothers. I started because they were playing. I trained because they were training. I played because they were training and everything like that. I just wanted to be as close as possible to them from day one. Um, And I guess back then, all I wanted to do was be around them and, you know, hang out with them and everything like that. And then once I figured out, you know, I actually enjoy this, um, then that's when the love came to the game. Um, And I think, as soon as you figure out that you love the game, you you want to take yourself to the golf course, you want to train, you want to play and do all of that. And I think I was able to figure that out from a pretty young age, but I know that, you know, it took my brothers more like longer than it took me to figure out that I love the game. Um, and I think that once you are able to tell yourself that you want to train and that you want to play, I feel like that's that's the day that you know that, you're not going to quit and you're just going to take it as far as you can. You, you've used the term train, you know, and you started talking about training from a very young age. Now I've seen some of the pictures of you training. I've seen some of the pictures of you preparing for, you know, even like pennant on a Sunday morning. And when I, when I reflect on those pictures to tell people, um, you know, we're talking about you hitting golf balls in the dark um, with the headlights. So you, dad's car behind you while you're there probably a good half hour 45 minutes an hour more than anyone else and you know for me that's always stuck out in any time that I've ever spoke to um to your dad who's 
obviously been a massive support and a figure in your golfing journey. Not a much of a golfer himself by by um, his own admission, but you know when you when you say train, 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 you know like and you know you're 18 now, but I've seen those pictures of you playing at night, playing in the morning, playing in the dark, basically, and plenty more that we'll talk about. So it's obviously to me um, a big thing in realizing that you are set out to be a golfer um jamie when you you know when you reflect on your early journey with keely and, and getting to know keely and getting to support her in her journey what did that look like for you oh look it's it's been a a, a really interesting journey since i've, I've met keels you know five six years ago um you know uh coming to me and, and having the, the parental support that she has um, from both Darren and Michelle, the support from the, the brothers, both brothers um, absolutely love and support Keely's journey in the game. And, and the whole family unit was just a very unique and special one to me when I first met them. And, um, you know, for me, Keels was obviously a very passionate golfer. She really wanted to just get as, as, as good as she could become and that hasn't changed. And, and the thing that I find quite interesting, um, and I haven't told Keels this or, or, or Darren and Rochelle, but the, the first few years, obviously, when Keels is, you know, 12, 13, 14, mum and dad are there to support, mum and dad are there to encourage, and I have a bit of communication with, with, with Darren and Rochelle back then. And in the last couple of years, when Keels is coming into her own as you know, a, a, a teenager moving into an adult um, that she is now, they've actually stepped back and, and given Keely the reins to take her golf career in the direction that she wants. And to me, I think that is a really special transition. It's not, it's not an easy transition for parents to make where they sit back and they go, hey, we trust in you and we give you the reins to this career of yours and, and you take it in whatever direction you want. And it's such an empowering thing to do, but also a very difficult one. And um, the work that Kills and I have done the last sort of 12 months especially has been, for me, really meaningful and really beneficial um, because it's it's driven solely by her. And um, I just, I love that environment that they've helped create for Keely in her in her golf game and in her golf career, it's 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 fantastic. Kiwi, we'll we'll talk about your career and where it's currently at, and and some of those tournaments uh, that you've been playing in, and what the next level looks like. But you know, when you reflect on when you first started working on mental performance with Jamie, you know what what did it mean to you? Like you're quite young. Um, what what was that experience like? You know, was that something that you realised that you needed to do? Was it something that you did in consultation with? Darren and Michelle, or how did that sort of work? And what was your experience back then as a you know, junior athlete versus now? I think when I first started, it was mainly my parents saying, you know, this is something that, you know, all athletes do. And this is something that you might need to start to think about and then, you know, implement into your game. Um, and that's kind of where it first started. But when I first saw Jamie, it was more of a, I never got angry on the golf course, but I just didn't know what to do. I just was not thinking about the right thing. Like I could be daydreaming, looking at the grass grow kind of thing. Um, and I just needed to, I guess, narrow that focus in. And that's exactly what um, Jamie and I have basically been working for, on since day one, just narrowing the focus in, learning how to switch on and off when needed. Um, and I feel like that's just been the main target. Um, I remember my first, like one of my first lessons was when I was oh, maybe 11 or 12. Um, you know, I had the pig panther, a head cover, the blue cobra bag, and we're on the settlers run driving range. And he's got the pink panther on his hand. And he's like, just focus on the pink panther and hit it as many times as you can. And just, I guess, narrowing that focus um, was the biggest thing back then. Just focus, focus, focus. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I've just always stuck with is just be in the moment, figure out what you need to work on and, and do it. Yeah. It was interesting, Roscoe, because it was the look on Paul Keeley's face as, a, as an 11 or 12-year-old 
hitting these little 10-metre chip shots and pitch shots, and I'm standing there with my hand out telling Keely to hit it into my hand, you know, and catch it. And she's thinking, if I, if I thin this, I'm, I'm going to take you out, you know, like. and um, Last lesson. <laughs> it was like the look on her face, she, she just, but again, for me, that's just helping someone to access a little bit of uncomfortability, um, a little bit of stress, but then just focus on what it is you want to do. And, you know, instantly she was able to redirect her attention and thankfully for me and, um and uh, my my well being, she was able to execute the shots into my hand, and uh, and you know did a phenomenal job. But it's really great to see someone of that age to be able to, I suppose, control their focus and attention and and nervousness at the same time, and um, you know just to, to pay attention to the task at hand. It was uh, was was awesome to see. I could see then she had something, you know, quite special in her from a uh, from a, a mental performance side of things. And then. The world, as we know, you know, 2020, the start of that, you know, we started to um, move into that COVID period. You know, you're in starting to get into a really great rhythm with your golf and then you get forced into having to practice in, well, well let's be honest, what was it? it? It wasn't a net. It was pieced together with string. Um, it was pieced together with uh, blankets. It was pieced together with sticky tape. Well, you know, you had to hit balls in the backyard into a net and then into the garage, what was what was that like for you, you know, when you basically get the thing that you love, comp- competition golf and playing golf and practising out on the course, you get it taken away. How did how did that strike you? Are you there? Sorry, I think I cut out and missed the question. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my it was one of my best in the fifty five episodes, don't worry. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um we can edit that part out, Keely, don't worry. Keely, what what I was asking before you, you dropped out there briefly is, you know, we all know what happened in, in 2020, COVID struck, and the world of for Victorian golfers um, basically came to a halt. Uh, I was having a laugh at uh, your practice facilities out there at home. Um, I was having a laugh at your net. Um, I got some level of enjoyment seeing that it, you know, eventually finally collapse um, and, and, and give in. Um but what was, I guess, the point of rather than having a laugh at your, your net in the backyard, which was one day over in the backyard strung up between the trees and the next day over in somewhere else where it was strung up so it was a little bit stronger. Um, what was it like when you had the thing that you love in approaching, the, the I guess, the peak of your junior athleticism taken away from you? Yeah, if I look back on those probably that 2020, 2019-ish um, it was hard to miss my last junior years, if you put it that way. Um, that was really, really hard. But um, especially coming back out of, you know, COVID and lockdowns straight into just amateur stuff, no juniors, no nothing. You know, the last time I played as a junior was when I was, you know, 16 years old. I didn't get to play any of that stuff after, which was hard to say that I missed that. And I missed all those, you know, teams that I could go um, overseas or interstate with. Um, but looking back at lockdown and everything like that, I feel like I implemented the time as well as I could. Like I didn't just, you know, sit on my butt and, you know, watch Netflix as much as I did do that. I made sure that, you know, I was still training for multiple hours a day, you know, in the backyard and when it's raining, um, destroying the net and, you know, trying to figure out ways, you know, built a bunker in the backyard. Um, I found the longest point from one end to the other end of the yard, Um, you know, increased, you know, my gym and everything um, by so much. And I feel like my swing and drills actually improved out of sight during lockdown because I wasn't seeing where my ball was going into the net, but I had a mirror behind me half the time or Jamie on FaceTime or Michael on FaceTime fixing my swing or, you know, getting me mentally prepared for when, you know, that what if of we are actually coming out of lockdown after, you know, however many months. Um, so I feel like as much as lockdown was pretty bloody hard, um, especially not knowing when or if we're going to come out of lockdown at whatever stage, um, I feel like at least I had a good team around me to help me figure everything out and, you know, stay on track and figure out when we're going to come out of lockdown and get started again. Now, Jamie, what did you notice about Keely's mindset through that period of time? 
I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of someone in their prime junior years at the level that Keeley was at, and then that to be taken away in the fashion that it was with a, with a global pandemic, like the, the impact that that has on so many people, but the way that Keel's stepped into that and, you know, she said had Sundi on, on, on FaceTime doing lessons on her mechanics and just continuing to build that skill set. We were doing a variety of different, uh, you know, Zooms ourselves on a fairly consistent basis during that time to make sure that, you know, we were building her, her mental skill set so that when, you know, golf did open up again, she was ready to compete. And, you know, that's a long time. I don't know exactly how long Kiel's it was between tournaments for you, but it had to have been over 12 months, correct? I think it was roughly 15 to 18 months of me playing. Yeah. Um, it was a very long time and I'm so grateful to be back playing now. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's a huge amount of time, Roscoe, for someone um, like Keels that had been really on a great trajectory. If, if, if an athlete wasn't on as good a trajectory, that little break and a little reset can actually be quite helpful. But when someone's on a really great trajectory, it can often be a big hurdle to come back and continue that momentum. So that's what Keels was sort of really focused on, was making sure when she did come back, she felt like she'd been training and had the same momentum that she had before lockdown. Um, and there was a little bit of an injury in there at, at the same point that, that set kills back a little bit. Um, the timing of it was we spoke a lot about gratitude and if you're going to have an injury, have it during a global pandemic, like that's the perfect time to have one. Um, and I think she just, she just, just well, I won't say breezed through it because it wasn't easy, but from my point of view, she just did such a great job and showed so much resilience in being able to um, to deal with the things that were, were thrown at her through that period. Kelly, do you, do you think that, um, you know, I guess you don't know anyone else's story other than the people that you know and you've spoken to, but, you know, do you think that the, that the work that you did during that period, you know, has catapulted you to another level quicker than maybe some of the you know, you are a competitive person, but some of the other colleagues around you, some of the other golfers around you that, you know, you're competing for in, in different rankings and, and, you know, there's a whole host of rankings that mean um, something as an amateur elite golfer. Do you think you springboarded ahead of people, you know, by doing so much work and getting ahead of the, the curve? Another great question you didn't hear? No, I think I got half of that and I'm pretty sure. Um. Answer the half that you got. The, the half was, did the work that you did um, so intensively during that period, you know, do you think that it elevated you above some of the competition that you had going into the pandemic? You know, like the same group of people aged and, and came out of pandemic at the same time, so you're still the same group of people that you would have been playing against. But do you think that it, you know, elevated you past? Is, is there any sort of examples or, or not examples, but, you know, do you, do you think that you're ahead of the game now? Um. To a degree, yes, if we're basing it all around people in, I guess, my state because, you know, Victoria has had the harshest lockdown out of anybody yeah. where, you know, people in Queensland or overseas, they didn't really stop. So from that degree, I wouldn't say that uh, lockdown helped me in that degree. But in Victoria, I would say that I definitely did not go backwards. I came out of lockdown and I have played the most consistent golf that I've ever played um, since November last year. Um, yeah, everything has just been basically just consistent golf, which was my main goal coming out of lockdown and having that little bit of an injury. I just wanted to go out, prove myself that I have not gone backwards and that I was training as hard as I could um, to make sure that I had not gone backwards. And I don't think I did. And I think that, you know, I'm hitting the ball further than what I was, you know, 18 months ago, um, more consistent, you know, my short game's a lot better than what it was. Um, and I do think that if I was the one sitting on my butt through COVID, then yes, I would have gone back completely. And I feel like you can see who those people were and who those people were trying to choose and make a difference in that time that they had off. Now, you're... 
just finished year 11. You're in year, the final year of high school this year. So obviously a very important part of your scholastic um, world. You've played some high-level golf since November last year. What have been your golfing experiences like since then? Because, you know, teams, rankings, I mentioned that before, really important. You, you know, what has that meant for you and what have you been able to achieve in that you know, few months since uh, coming out of those lockdowns, like November last year? You played in some great tournaments alongside some great people. I got the last bit of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Try again, Roscoe. Uh, so, Keely, you're in year 12 now. Obviously, you know, finished year 11 last year. It's a fairly important time of your life, finishing high school. But, you know, you've come out of lockdown, um, bounced back into your golf with, as you just articulated, stronger, hitting the ball further, playing the best golf of your life, better golf of your, the best golf of your life so far. Um, you've had some great experiences in competitive golf. Um, you keep travelling. What What is... Talk to us about some of those experiences you've had in the last sort of six or eight months on um, as an amateur golfer playing alongside some some great professionals. I think everything that I've done in the last six months has probably been my best learning experience and everything, um, especially from January onwards. I was placing really well and then started to get recognised, which is, I guess, the best kind of anything in a way um once people start to figure out who you are and what you do and how hard that you work then people actually take notice of you you might get more exemptions into events which was um what's beginning to happen um which then will help me you know with the whole ranking situation everything like that um yeah so I played Marcy Amateur at the start of January um came third and then um, went to New South Wales, played Avondale Amateur, New South Wales Amateur, um, played really consistent at those two events, um, which then has now got me into the New South Wales Open and the Australian Women's Classic, um, which are two massive events. But because I've been able to play consistent, get my name out there, it's given me way more opportunities um, to be able to play in massive events. Um, and obviously the bigger the event, the more... I'm going to learn and everything like that, um, which is what the Vic Open did for me. Um, being able to play in that was, it was crazy. Like just playing with the people that I got to play with and, you know, having a crowd was just insane. Like um, I played the TPS event at Rosebud, got thrown into the final group as a junior um, and I was so nervous. Um, I shot eight over in my round. I was I just didn't know what to do I didn't know where to look who to look at what to look at what to do um but that got me prepared for the Vic Open you know um I you know spoke to Jamie and you know spoke to my family and my brother and everything like that and we just you know focused on things to think about you know and I ended up just you know learning stay ahead of the crowd you know they're behind you you know they're behind you for a reason you know um, all these things that, you know, just trying to get into my head to, you know, learn all these different things for new circumstances and took that straight into the Vic Open. And, you know, I played four consistent days at the Vic Open, you know, came, coming 21st and, you know, figuring how much Ke money I could have won as a pro. Um, Ke Keely, sorry to stop you. So basically you cut out there, played four consistent days at the Vic Open? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then just having that opportunity to, you know, prove myself again um, was awesome. Um, and then obviously that just leads into my next few events from there. Um, yeah, went to Tassie, um, played consistent golf there again, um, came third, and then, you know, Riversdale Cup, and I guess we're here now and um, played my first round at um, Ozam today. Um, yeah, so it's been I think long I think too, Roscoe, it's been um... – Making the cut at the Vic Open is one thing. Making the, the, the three-round cut, so playing all four rounds of the Vic Open down there at 13th Beach in some, we know what the conditions can get like down there, and that's a tough course. So that's such a, a marvellous achievement for Keels um, at this stage of her career and um, just small little things, validation. She sent me a, a message a few maybe a month or so ago now, where the National Amateur, Women's Amateur Rankings came out and she was number one. 
on the uh, the national women's amateur ranking. So just, you know, little things like that just prove to her and prove to her whole team that, you know, she's doing the right things. And uh, when she was coming out of lockdown to start competing again, one of the things that we focused a lot on was just consistency. Like we don't want to have too, you know, too big expectations on yourself coming out. We just want you to be really, really consistent, not put too much pressure on yourself and give yourself some time to build up that momentum and, that was the plan of attack, but straight out of the gate, she was very consistent, but, you know, not finishing top 20 every week. She was finishing top five, top 10, and um, and just, yeah, you know, when she sent me that message that she was on the top of the National Women's Amateur Rankings, I was like, that's a pretty special moment, you know, that um, for her just to validate everything that she did in lockdown and the work she's done since has come to this point where she's like, she's the number one ranked women's amateur golfer in the country at this moment in time and uh, she deserved every second of that. Absolutely, absolutely. So those four rounds at uh, the Vic Open, who did you play with? Um, you know, you said you played with some great people. Who did you play alongside? Um, great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I played um, – so I played with Steph Bunky um, on one of the days. Um, I played with a lady from Korea. Mm-hmm. Um it's okay if you can't remember a name. It's all right. There's no problems. Um, I remember the experience. I think that's all that matters. I don't remember the name. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, but the coolest thing, honestly, was being able to play my practice round with Steph Kiriaku. Um, yeah, so I just, you know, messaged the right people, I guess, and was like, hey, who can I play with? Um, yeah, and then ended up getting to play with her, which is awesome. Um, just being able to, you know, ask as many questions as possible and yeah it was pretty cool pretty cool for sure i haven't met steph as yet but she seems like a really cool like a really cool girl just really happy to help and just um yeah seems like a really cool uh, really cool girl oh uh, yeah absolutely like i you know i messaged her um and was like hey i would love to have a round honestly was not you know, thinking she'd reply to my, my message. Um, yeah. yeah. And straight away replied and was like, these are the times, you know, does this work? You know, what day suits you, you know, do I have yeah. lunch and blah, blah, blah. And do you want someone else to play? And like, That's so awesome. accommodating to me just asking for a round, like she was so there to help me every yeah. step of the way, which was just awesome. Um, I played with her back in uh, maybe like late, 2019 I think before COVID and everything at Port Phillip and I played her in the match play um and I was like oh no like I've got to play her straight up and I played some of the best golf ever I ended up losing on 17 but meeting her there and then you know going to events after that and her remembering who I was and you know actually making an effort and then to now still make an effort with me even though you know we met each other a few years ago and still remembers who I am like those little things things is like you know that's just you can tell that you're a really good person just for you know giving a kid a go I guess yeah I mean Roscoe it's it's interesting how you know Kills talks about Steph remembering who she is and giving a kid a go um and I and I my message to Kills is you are Keely freaking marks like you you're a special name in 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 golf in Australia and and not just because you're a really good golfer but everything that you've done um, through the, you know, the Do It For Jared, the Challenge Cancer Foundation. Like, she's a really special person and, a, and an amazing talent on the golf course. But um, I know, Roscoe, you and I have spoken a lot about, you know, if Kills is half a good a golfer as she is a person, she's going to be absolutely dynamite on the world tour. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting one where, you know, I, you spoke about the recognition, Kills, too, the invites into some of the, the tournaments, the um, the addition to the Tier 2 Golf Australia um, scholarships. Like, you're really starting now to get that recognition that you deserve. Um, and uh, a term that I use, we, I, I, I use it with Gabby Ruffles. We came up with that in a session a few months back, but that you deserve, you know, you deserved it, but you earned it. You weren't given it. You actually earned the right to be a part of Tier 2, get an invite to these tournaments. You weren't there through all of your hard work and dedication and discipline during probably some of the most difficult times in, in your life and in your career with lockdown and a bit of an injury and that sort of stuff. So 
it must be just so exciting knowing that you've got these opportunities and the recognition for all that hard work. You must feel so proud of yourself, um, you know, to sit there where you are tonight. Yeah, for sure. And I know it's not all about, you know, outcome and everything, but, you know, when you do have that positive outcome and then you do get recognised for what you've been doing, it's kind of just that extra drive going, you're in the right direction and you're doing the right thing and all that stuff, um, which is really good to, I guess, feel and experience again after such a long time of not, you know, being selected for any teams and stuff due to just, you know, being in lockdown and everything. Um, Cause before lockdown was happening, you know, I, in 2020, I went to America in January. It's so hard to even fathom that I left the country in 2020. Um, <laughs> I was in lockdown for more than I was out of a, out of the house kind of thing. Um, yeah. To then, you know, still having COVID as a thing and everything like that now um, it's a bit hard to, you know, realize that now we're back to traveling again, which is awesome. Speaking of traveling again and going to America, uh, it's somewhere where when you finish your year 12 uh, studies this year that you will travel again and for a fairly big reason. Talk to us about what happened during lockdown with the whole scholarship program and, and so on and so forth. I won't, you know, you can tell us, not... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so I will be going to Iowa State University um, next year um, to start a four-year degree um, and play Division One golf, which is pretty, pretty insane. I am definitely looking forward to it. I've always been that person where I just, you know, I would like to get a degree and play college golf at the same time. Um, so whatever way I choose in the next four years, yeah, but it'll be It'd be pretty cool um, just to go over there and experience it all. But, um, yeah, I chose Iowa purely for, you know, the coach. And I don't mind – I don't think she'll mind me saying this, but, um, yeah, Christy was basically the biggest selling point that anybody could have given me. Um, I spoke to many colleges with very, very similar offers. But if you have a coach that, you know, wants you more than another coach, then you – you know, that that's the place you want to go. Like somebody that reaches out to, you know, Jamie and Michael and, you know, family members and stuff like that, you know, that, you know, she's doing her research, but just as well as I am doing mine, she let me, the first time I spoke to her, she was letting me ask all the questions. So it wasn't like she was interviewing me. It was almost like she was just letting me drill her with questions about things that I wanted to know, where a lot of the time I felt like, you know, I didn't even get to set the time for um, meetings with other colleges. It was like, oh, no, it does, you know, 12 a.m. work for you, your time. And it's like, well, not really. But, yeah, I can do that. But, yeah, she was like I was almost the annoying person. Like I was making her get up super early to speak to me. But it was just those little things that it's like obviously you're just as interested as I am, um, which is also, um, yeah. I think, Roscoe, the, the great thing with Iowa and Christy, um, Christy reached out to me to have a chat and uh, the whole tone of that first conversation and actually all the conversations I've had with Christy ever since have been more about Keely the person than Keely the golfer. They've, you know, been about how she will get looked after, how, you know, her Keely's sort of best interests are, are the number one priority uh, the facilities are, are going to be great. Anything that, that Keely might need for her development, um, they're more than willing to, you know, look at. Um, but it was really just about Keely, Keely, Keely. Just whatever was Keely's best interest, they are more than happy to look at that. And it wasn't just from a golf development point of view, but it was from a personal development point of view as well. And I thought that was really, you know, really, really important, but very powerful too for Keels over the next sort of four or five years as she makes that transition into college golf and um, yeah so very you know very excited for that opportunity moving forward and um, yeah should be great Takiels what does division one mean just what is who is that playing against and where will you be traveling what's that schedule look like um, yeah so I think we we're in the big 12 conference Um yeah, so we'll be playing um, most of the colleges down the middle of America. Um, 
yeah, which is going to be pretty cool. But we tend to travel, honestly, everywhere. Like she sent me this little, like, you know, diagram of everywhere that they fly. They basically fly everywhere. Um, yeah, which is also like an added bonus, I guess, of being in the middle of the country. Um, yeah, it's not too far from anywhere. Um, yeah, but the biggest like thing is like, you know, they go on camps to Florida and, you know, um, you know, they go to Universal and do all these little things, um, which is pretty cool as well. But um, yeah, from like a, um, a um, tournament perspective, yeah, they basically play like day in, day out and traveling nonstop and everything, um, which I feel like is just the best opportunity to get you ready for if you choose to turn pro and everything, which I am hoping to if I get to that stage. But um, yeah, I think that it'll be the biggest you know, wake up call to what pro life will be like. And study sure. wise, study wise, yeah. Do they give you? Do you have a choice of what you can study? Uh yes. So I'm pretty sure the school has, you know, multiple different courses that you can study over there. Um, you choose your major in the second year. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure what I want to study over there quite yet. Um, but um, yeah, it'll be pretty cool to study over there and get the degree and do all of that stuff. Jamie, with your experience, you know, working with um. Gabby, you know, what, 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 what could you give Keely? And you've probably already spoken about it, but what could you say to Keely that, that, you know, just confirms that that's a great decision. She's going to, you know, benefit, you know, as a golfer out of you know, her experience in, in college, in the college system. Oh, look, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've spoken to Keels about, I think college golf and, and um, the, the college system is fantastic for young athletes to grow and to develop. Um, she competes, you know, every weekend there'll, there'll be a tournament on or, or a competition, but she's also got to qualify to make the team. You know, she just doesn't get handed a spot in the team. You've got to go and qualify. And so that the, the getting access to tournament pressure in qualifying is a great one to, to build up that, um, you know, that skill set. And I know for Gab, when she was at um, USC, she – Developed so quickly because of that environment, and um, uh, you know, I, I know Kills will, will do the same. She will thrive in that environment, um, and uh, also just helping tap into a little bit more of the the social side of life and adding another element of Keely the person. You know, I think that's always a powerful and important element to to growth as an individual, and um, you know, college sport. Um, is, is great for that, accessing, you know, so many other people of your own age group with similar interests, even if it's not golf, but it's other sports that they might be at the, the college for. It's, um, it, it just helps develop so many personal skills outside of just the athletic uh, environment. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be fantastic. Kelly, if you were talking to uh, parents of a, a young up-and-coming uh, athlete, yeah, what would be the reasons that you would give them or what would you tell them about your mental performance journey and, and what how it might help a junior golfer? Um, I feel like being mentally prepared for a situation can help you so much more, not just in golf but in life. Like the amount of stuff that Jamie and I speak about um, I take into my schooling or, you know, just – everyday life um just as I was saying before like learning how to switch on and off focusing like I take that into my exams all the time just being able to take it one step at a time um yeah and I guess like mentally like it is so draining to be to play for five hours to then also have the added and how I'm going to play, even though I know whatever I do, they're going to be there for me 110% and my brothers will be there for me and everybody will be. But just to go through all of that and actually, you know, just go back to the basics, go back to step one and say, why am I doing this? Why? What's the outcome that I want? And a lot of the time that it just comes to back, comes back to, you know, what am I doing right now? And it's really hard to think about that in the moment, but, you know, I have little triggers and how to figure that stuff out and, you know, going through bad patches 
to then, you know, split your holes up into, you know, every six holes have a different goal. And, you know, that's, you know, that helped me today um, to get me out of my little bad patch and to get me back on track. Um, I think just being able to be in the moment and figure it all out is, it's really hard to do, but you've just got to have, I guess, the right people to teach you how to do it. Um, yeah. Uh, firstly, before we go on, what I might ask you to do, Keely, not that I want to, is maybe turn your video off if you can. Yeah. So you, you keep just cutting out. Um, okay, let's talk about that golf today. What's the tournament you're currently playing in, just for the benefit of everyone listening? Um, so I'm playing in the Australian Amateur at the moment in Melbourne at Cranbourne Golf Club. And today was day one? Day one, yes. Of how many days? Uh, four. Four days. So what happened today? Talk us through today. So today I had two over. I was two under through my first uh, six holes. Um, I had my goals of three under in my first six holes, even par for my middle six holes, and one under in my last six holes. Obviously, you know, that just straight out gives me a great score. Um, whether I was going to hit that or not, I don't know, but I had three separate goals that I wanted to try and make and split up my rounds. Um, yeah, so I was pretty close to my first goal. Um, I started off on a roll. Jamie and I have been speaking about, you know, I tend to start off pretty slowly. Um, for my front nine is always, you know, oh, it's okay that you've missed that part. You've got plenty of holes to go. And then I really rely on my last few holes um, to come back. And some of the time or a lot of the time it's a bit too late um, for that to happen. So we've just been, you know, changing my um, warm-up strategies, which I think is working um, as of today, I reckon, because um, today is my first time I've been able to implement it. And I think why I started the best that I've started in a really long time Um yeah, and then just those that middle section. Um, yeah, I just I think I just maybe switched off a little bit. Um, not sure, but yeah, I just went bogey, double bogey, bogey. Um, from yeah, thirteen, and that kind of just ruined my score a little bit. But just to be able to you know go all right, well, well now you now you're three over. You've really just got to kind of step it up. Otherwise, you know, you're going to miss the cut or, you know, you're going to put yourself too far behind the lead. And so just being able to have that, you know, that switch on, like let's get this back to then go, you know, I finished birdie par par, you know, had two over. Um, I didn't reach my goals today, but now I can say I actually played really solid other than those four holes, um, which I just need to remember for tomorrow. Um and those four holes weren't even that bad. They were just, I just think it was a little bit of a lack of focus. Um, yeah, which not quite sure why yet, but um, yeah, I just think, you know, um, yeah, just go out tomorrow and set, you know, three new goals um, and go from there. Love that, Kiels, and I love that, you know, that we spoke about setting that clearer intention to start the round and, and the intention is to get off to a solid start and build a build a good score and give yourself the opportunity to to shoot a, a you know a really good deep under par score. And although today it didn't quite eventuate, but you know for you to be able to start the way that you did was just good signs. And um, yeah, you know we don't need to read too much in today. To you know if if, if a pattern happens a few times, then we'd read into it. But um, I think that. Uh, you know, today from what you stepped into and, and how you applied. And, and Roscoe, this is, for me, this is why Keely is is having the results she's having and being as consistent as she is because she applies things that have been told to her that we work through. She applies them straight away and she pl- applies them with a lot of commitment. And, um, you know, that's, that's the reason why she, uh, you know, is one of the best amateur golfers in the country. And, um, you know, at the same time, she's always looking to get better and fine-tuning things. And uh, so, yeah, I think, Kiel's what you said there about just set three new goals tomorrow, go out there and do the best you can with, with you know, executing those to the best of your ability and, um, you know, just just keep doing that day in, day out. I think that's a, it's a great way to go and, um, you know, you're doing a great job. Keely, a couple more questions from me. Just, yeah, the, the, the next few events after the uh, OZAM, a couple of big ones. What, what are you, what's on the horizon there, event-wise? Uh, so I have two more on the calendar that I know that I'm playing, which is New South Wales Open and the Australian Women's Classic. Um, so they're in 
three or four weeks now, so coming up pretty quickly. Australian Women's Classic, that, is that the one at Bonville? Uh, yes, yep. So pretty big event, co-sanctioned with uh, – you've got LET players there, you've got Australian um, WPGA players there. It's a pretty big event, yeah? Yes, very much so. Um, pretty exciting. You know, do you, do you do you forecast or do you, do you spend too much time thinking about that in advance or you just worry about this week, tomorrow, getting, you know, those blocks of three holes and the goals – or do you have a, a bit of a think about that from time to time? Um, nerves haven't quite hit me for that event yet. Just trying to get through this one. Um, and I'm quite sure once I figure out that they're my next events, a few of the nerves are going to pop in. But, um, no, I think that I just need to, you know, keep myself together, set those goals, don't treat it any differently. Um, yeah, but I think I just need to make sure that I take everything that I can out of those next few events. Um, you know, it's hard enough getting into the event, let alone just playing it and not taking anything from it. Um, so I think I just need to try, you know, wiggle my way into an awesome practice round group or, um, you know, try get into a good pro-am group or, you know, play as well as I can. So then I get paired with, um, you know, great golfers on the golf course. Um, I think, yeah, I just, whatever I take away from that week is just try and ask as many questions as possible. Be that annoying, you know, amateur that just wants to know everything that they can. And I'm okay to be that because, you know, they can put up with it. I'm quite sure they're in the same situation um, a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, most people like, you know, they're totally fine to answer your questions. Obviously you got to pick and choose who you want to ask, but um, yeah, I'm more than happy to, you know, annoy somebody. Um, and try to learn as much as I can because there's no use going into an event and taking nothing from it. Um, you can't be quiet. You've got to go, you know, go and annoy as many people as you can. It's been such a pleasure watching you grow from, you know, that young kid to, you know, this mature, responsible, you know, self-driven athlete now that has a very clear focus and vision on what she wants to do and what how she's going to achieve it and what it takes to do it. Um, it's you know, people like me that do podcasts like this and talk to people, you know, we don't know them. We ask them if they want to come on to a podcast and create some entertainment for some people. But, you know, this is one of the true stories that it's it's just really cool to sit back and hear you talk like this. And uh, I know in your formative years, you get a lot of influence from your family. You mentioned your brothers, Shane and Cody. You know, uh, they probably are very happy for you to be a better golfer than them now. Um, they might not admit it. I don't know, but uh, they're probably very secretly happy and proud of you for being a better golfer than them. But what about the influence of your mum and dad, Darren and Rochelle, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with your dad uh, for a of a, over a variety of different topics um, over the journey. How, how influential have they been? First off, as a family, I think I'm so grateful to have everybody. My brothers are my biggest fans. Like I have them caddying for me whenever possible. Like I'm that annoying little sister that's like, all right, it's your turn to caddy. And then, you know, taking turns, getting them out there is just awesome and mum and dad like they have always been there for me and they always will like I know that no matter what happens I'm going to come home to them being there for me whether it's a good round or a bad round and you know I might get the joke of oh god what was that and you know I've just got to be like oh you're so funny kind of thing but I know no matter what happens that they're always going to be there for me and you know going back to that whole you know how do you tell your parents whether, you know, they're there too much or they need to come out more or whatever, you know, my parents have always been there. Like, you know, they both used to watch me at my events and going back to me saying, I worry about what they think and everything like that. And I had to have that chat probably when I was about 12, just saying, you know, I worry too much what you guys think. Like, you know, I'm putting and you guys have walked off to the next hole. What does that mean? Like, why'd you walk off on me? And I'm thinking, like, what did I do wrong? And they're just saying, oh, we didn't want to be in your way for when you tee off on your next hole. It's those little things that it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. But, you know, you just straight out just got to ask them and say, why'd you do that? And they, and nine times out of ten, it's just them being, we don't want to be in your way. Like, you know, we're just here to watch you. You know, we don't want to interfere or anything like that. And, you know, I've had them both caddy for me since day one. And, you know, now I've got my brothers to caddy for me or I just do it myself or get somebody from the club or something like that. But, um, yeah, I 
it's so awesome to know that you know, no matter what, they're going to be there for me. And I know that they both don't want me to go to college, but they 100% want me to go to college. I think they just don't want me to move out of home at 19. But I know that they're as much as I'm halfway across the world, they're only one phone call away to come and say, hey, I'm homesick, you're coming over or I'm coming over for the weekend or whatever. As much as it's a long flight, it's not that long to, you know, have them come over and I know that they would drop anything in the world to come over and, you know, be there with me. Um, And I know everybody in my whole family would do the same. And I, when you kind of take that next step and I'll start to travel and do all that stuff, it's awesome to know that, even though they're at home, they're always going to be with me um, and they're going to do anything in their power to help me. Um, yeah, which is awesome to awesome to know. And it's definitely like a motivator to know that, you know, they're there for me and no matter what, that they'll do anything they can to help me and support me. Jamie, uh, I've only got like it probably wouldn't be fair to let Keely off the podcast without acknowledging and letting her talk about the importance of supporting and her support to um, challenge the Challenge Foundation and, you know, doing it for Jared and that whole um, effort that she put in to really put that on the map. And, you know, once again, thinking back to that time, which is a couple of years, a few years ago now, you talk about Keely being a special person. Um, I think that really set the tone for you know the type of person that she she is and and wants to be seen as um you know when you jamie i'll go to you first when you think back about that time and you're obviously working together with keely what was what was that like what was going on between you guys uh back then oh look ross i think just um realizing the work and effort that keels did to to put that eye and do it for jared hashtag on the map and um, setting up events at the Heritage and doing all the work that she did um, just showed what type of person she is, um, not a selfish person, someone that really does want to, you know, look out for others. And, and Kiels and I have had those chats for years about you're so kind and generous, just be careful as an elite athlete that you don't put other people's best interests in front of yours. You know, we want her to become that little bit more of a, have a little bit more of a nasty streak, so to speak. Um, and that was something that she struggled with a little bit because she's just such a nice, generous person. And um, I think now she's really starting to, to, to balance that out and direct her, you know, her attention uh, in her golf career in a way that helps her but still be that, that really nice kills that, that everyone knows she is. So um, her maturity back then was well above her, her years as it, as it still is. So, um yeah, I think it was uh, was a phenomenal period for her. Keely, what was it like for you? You know, why did why did that catch you, and, and why did you want to invest? What I was said relative to your age, you know, over the odds. You know, you went headfirst into that program, into that challenge, um, to support you know Jared Lyle, challenge cancer, etc. What what did that mean? Why did you why did you go so hard at that? I first um, found out who Jared was when he made that hole in one on the 16th at Waste Management. That was the first time, like, you know, I figured out who he was. And then, you know, kind of when you figure out who somebody is and you just go in and, you know, stalk them a little bit and do all this and, you know, find out who somebody is. Um, And then just reading about him and going into detail about what he's gone through in his life, it was kind of just, I guess, a wake-up call to, um, you know, I think I was 14 or 15 at the time, and I think he first got cancer at age 17 or something. And it's like, that's only a few years off me. And, you know, it kind of hits home a little bit. And it's like, well, crap, like I get upset if I hit a crap shot on the golf course. And, you know, some people are just going through way worse things in life. Um, and then, you know, he was battling his third bout of cancer. And, you know, once somebody goes through something so many times, it's just like they need the help and the recognition, uh, recognition of what, they've actually gone through in life and how much they've achieved. Um, and I guess I just wanted to, you know, try help as much as I can and leave a legacy behind and prove to people how good of a person he was and how much he was able to help the kids and everything like that with challenge cancer. Um, and I guess that's why I started it because I didn't want what he's done in his life to, you know, be put behind him um, and all of his help that he's 
done with challenge cancer, like I didn't want that to then, you know, be folded away and nobody would ever look at it again. And I'm quite sure that wouldn't have happened, but I knew that if I was able to do something, then, you know, hopefully it could, you know, be more than just a day at the heritage and raise money. So that's why, you know, put it into my state team and, you know, got them to help raise money and, you know, have the head covers on the golf bags and everything like that. But I never really thought it would go this far because a lot of people say, you know, one person can't make a difference in life. It, you know, it takes, takes many, many people to help me and everything like that. And, you know, I totally agree. The amount of backing that I had with people to help me um, was awesome. And it was really good to be able to have people to, you know, back me up on my decision and everything like that. So to be able to have yellow days and hashtag doing it for Jared and everything like that, it was, it was pretty cool to, um, be able to raise as much money as the um, the day has. Look, I'm I'm fairly sure that you are fairly influential to all the people around you, but also up up the tree a bit. You know, there's there's a reason why. So Jared was so loved on the PGA Tour, and you know, I'm sure that some of the people look to you uh, that wear. Uh, Luke the Duck uh, badges on their hats, you know, Ricky Fowler and Herbie and so on and so forth. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that they would have had an eyeball on what this young kid from uh, eastern suburbs of Melbourne was up to. And if you can do it, they can they can get amongst it as well. And, you know, I'm sure you would have caught, caught up with Bryony Lyle down at uh, 13th Beach. And, you know, there's a little bit of what you did that helps her keep going and to do what she does down there with all of the uh, Luke the Duck and Challenge Cancer fundraising stuff down there. It was just great to see her and then obviously see you on that same day. It was great. Um, so well done uh, on that. You know, I've probably said that before and many people have, but uh, we couldn't do this podcast without giving you, you know, a little bit of recognition for that and um, really do um, giving you some praise for the work that you did there. Jamie, I, <laughs> yeah, we could keep talking to Keely forever. Um, she's such an accomplished uh, talker. I don't have anything else um, uh, to, to talk to Keely about. You know, she, she blows me away every time I see her. I get to see her on the practice fairway uh, at dawn and dusk at Peninsula Kingswood sometimes. And, um, you know, we catch up. What about you? You catch up all the time. Anything else from, from you, Jamie? No, look, I think it's, uh, as you said, Roscoe, we could chat to Keels, you know, for days. And we've been meaning to get Keels on the podcast for a while. So it's been really great to have you, Keels. Um, really proud of you uh, for all the work that you've put in over the past couple of years and, as I said, you know, earlier, you, you've really discerned, you know, everything that you've gotten so far this year. And uh, I think uh, we really appreciate you, you joining us tonight. We know you've got to get some sleep and recover and rest up ready for round two of Ozam tomorrow. So, yeah, appreciate you coming on. Go do your thing the next few days. And uh, I'll look forward to chatting to you again um, over the next few days sometime. Perfect. Thank you. Hope you enjoy the Masters and uh, take heaps of pictures and bring me back something, please. So, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do my best on all fronts. Exactly right. Something small, nothing too big. Uh, but, uh, uh, no, big is good too. Big is good too. <laughs> big, but Keels just goes, big would be good too. Yeah. That's fine. You can take me if you want. Uh, Keely, uh, Keely, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the episode with Keely Marks. What a champion. If you haven't heard of Keely Marks before, well, pull out the little black book, write the name down there amongst your favourite players, the players that you want to keep an eye on because put that name on there because I'm pretty confident that it's one that, uh, you know, we're not going to say you heard it here first, but uh, you will want to know who Keely Marks is and you will want to follow that journey. If this is your first time you've heard about Keely, thanks for listening. Jamie, good luck over there to you, the team. Say good day to Dom, say good day to Herbie, say good day to Pew Dog. Enjoy your travel over there. Have fun. I look forward to catching up with you maybe while you're over there, but uh, definitely when you get back. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. If you want to bridge the gap between potential and performance and start to build your own unbreakable mental game today, join us over at mentalmastery.com.au at the Mental Mastery Clubhouse where we would love to connect with you and see you on the inside of the clubhouse where we can continue the mental performance journey. It's been a pleasure having you. See you next time.